Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm very excited to have my new friend, Arazu, with us. Arazu, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I'm excited to have this chat. Well, I am as well, and I'm very excited to get to know more about you, where you came from, and where your story has taken you. And so before we get into your story, will you just tell us a little bit about where you are today and what you do? Yes. Um, where? Like where I'm physically at today? I live in Golden Hall, right? And okay, Golden. <laughs> fabulous. And where you work and what you do and kind of what your story is right now. Yeah, yeah. So I am a um, founder, first time founder coach, a startup founder coach. And what I do is I help startup founders and small business owners. I've had a couple of small business clients as well. Uh, take their idea to market, launch it and um, later on scale it. And nowadays with COVID, I've had several small business owners that have come to me through Energize Colorado um, that uh, need help figuring out how to pivot. Uh, so that's what I do uh, to somewhat pay the bills. And then in addition to that, I am a startup founder. So I'm um, about to launch a technology platform uh, that helps busy moms with on-demand help. Wow, that's cool. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to get into this a little bit. So can you tell us more about like your story? Where did you come from? Sort of take us back a little bit and give us some of the history. Yeah, so um, I was born and raised in the Middle East in the country of Iran. And I uh, moved to the United States when I was 18 years old and I moved to the US to go to school. And um, I stayed ever since. Um, I went to engineering school when I moved to the US and before I graduated from uh, college, I got hired by Hewlett Packard. I worked for them for gosh, 15, 16 years um, in Pacific Northwest, um, all in technology. Um, then I started moving around. Um, I moved to Chicago. Actually, no, I moved to uh, Singapore. I moved overseas for a year, but that was an assignment for HP. I moved to Chicago um, for three years and I was managing technology development there as well. And, uh, you know, Midwest just did not work with me and uh, my, at the time, fiance, now husband. Uh, we just decided, you know, this isn't our place. So we moved to Colorado. Uh, we've been here since 2011. And 2011 through 2016, I worked for Corporate America. So I was an executive at Crocs and later at Otterbox. And 2016, I got launched into the startup world in Colorado. And while, you know, at the time when I was going through it, I didn't think that I enjoyed it that much. Once I came out of it, I realized how much I really enjoy it. And uh, so I've stayed in the startup world ever since. 
Um, I stumbled into investing. I became an investor and invested in several startups. And that's how I got launched into coaching founders um, because I was successful raising capital for my former startup. And um, so I started teaching founders how to raise capital for their little ventures. Uh, but then because of my corporate experience, you know, I helped them with just go to market strategy, marketing, roadmap, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so that became a passion to really help advise founders uh, what to do when they have an idea and they are faced with a million and one ways of taking this to market um, and, uh, and they don't know where to go. So I helped them there. And then that another story was two years ago, it was maybe a year and a half ago, um, a year and a half ago, where I um, got thrown into this idea of creating um, a technology platform for busy moms. And then I started working on it and uh, it's, it's launching this week or next. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Okay, so I have to ask you about a couple of things. So you said you stumbled on, you know, startups. Stumbled you stumbled in, into yeah. investing. Yeah, so yeah. what does that look like? How do you stumble into something like that? You know, stumbling is you really don't have an idea that um, you don't really have a preconceived notion and a defined path that, okay, this is what I want to do and where I want to go. An opportunity presents itself. And so you, you say yes to the opportunity. So that's exactly what happened. When, you know, when I left um, Otterbox in 2016, I did not have an intention of becoming a startup founder. I, my intention was go find a big job at a big company again. And um, that opportunity presented itself. And, and you know, I thought with myself, you know, if not now, then when, um, why not? Um, although there are a lot, there were a lot of reasons why not, but still I wanted to go and explore it because it was a, a space I'd never been to. And so I wanted to learn about the startup world. So um, I said yes to that. Then I left that um, uh, startup in 2018. And because um, founders, like I said, because I had, um, I was successful raising capital, um, founders started coming to me asking for advice about how to raise capital. And somehow I got thrown into the world of investors and investing. And, you know, I, at the time I could be an investor and I started investing. Um, and I invested in five companies. Um, three of them are still um, operating just fine. Um, Oh, two of them, unfortunately, are not operating. So, uh, but then I decided I'm going to put my capital in my own company. Uh, so I'm not investing anymore. So uh, it's saying yes when the opportunity presents itself. That's huge. And, you know, that's what I wrote down. I, I wrote yes to opportunity. You know, I think that's so huge. We look at life sometimes and we're like waiting for this thing to drop in our laps. And yet sometimes they drop and we're just, we don't take advantage of them. We don't say yes. How yeah. do you, um, you know, one of the things you said, there was a lot of reasons for you to say, you know, why not, or maybe not. Um, but when you were faced with sort of that decision, how did you maneuver through that when you looked at the fear of leaving what was safe and comfortable and, and the risk that you were taking and yet still felt like you needed to go for it? Yeah, you know, um, first of all, I don't overthink things. Um, 
because you can talk your way out of anything if you overthink it. <laughs> Honestly, I can talk my way out of having this conversation, you know, <laughs> no matter how safe it is, you know. Um, so I don't overthink it. But in, in that case, you know, it was sheer belief and, and still is that, you know, what if it doesn't work? Well, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll find a way out of it. It's not the end of the world. For me, the experience and the opportunity, the value of the experience um, and the value of the opportunity, the potential value of the opportunity outweighed the, the costs, the potential costs of the risk. Um, it's, it's always been that way for me. You know, I, I say yes. You know, I moved to Singapore when I worked for Hewlett Packard. I did not know a single, I mean, I knew a bunch of coworkers, but I did not have a single friend or family there. Um, and I moved to Singapore and I lived in Singapore for a year. Um, and it was tough, but it was amazing. Um, you know, I just say yes when the opportunity presents itself. I, my, my modus operandi is first say yes, then try to, you know, convince myself why it's not a good idea versus the other way around. Yeah, that's huge. I think so often we, we can get in the habit of, you know, thinking first sometimes, which might be okay. But like you said, we can talk ourselves right out of pretty much anything um, if we give ourselves enough time to do that. So that's very helpful for me because I tend to just think myself into these holes, like trying to work through and calculate everything that could possibly happen and then make the best decision where, you know, most of the time when I look back, it really, even the worst failure really wasn't a failure at all in the end. Yeah, you know, and I, I think there is a lot of value to that also. I mean, I have made mistakes that were very avoidable mistakes and, and they were costly. And the only reason I made them was because I said yes to the opportunity. And at the time, it felt like it was a good idea. Or actually, no, I, sh I, should, I should clarify that. I, I always have this little voice that never stops talking. And there are times, there have been times, many times, that the little boy says, this is a bad idea, this is a bad idea, but I shut it down um, because I, I wanna go and explore it. Um, and most of those times, you know, later on, I have realized this wasn't a good idea. Um, and I, the only reason I did it was because I was hoping that it was going to be a good idea. So there's a lot of value in analysis. Um, I think like everything else, there's a balance, you know. Um, I remember- But it's true that there's that, that uh, uh, paralysis by analysis. I mean, sometimes I think that can be one of our greatest, our greatest uh, weaknesses when we overthink it and then we don't make any moves at all. So it is, it's right. like you said, quite a balance that, that needs to be in place. Correct, correct. You know, um, I remember two distinct situations where my little voice said, uh, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. Um, one was when my husband and I were looking for a house in Chicago and um, we were looking and looking and we were tired and couldn't find the right house and, you know, the right distance and the right price, et cetera, et cetera. So we found a house. We found a house and it was quite far away from my, um, from where I worked, but I still, we liked everything else about it. A little voice in my in my head would not stop talking that this is the this is not a good idea this is a bad idea this is a bad idea but I was like you know I'm tired of you I'll figure it out if it's a bad idea I'll figure it out 
And so we bought that house. Um, gosh, six or seven year, years later, we sold that house for at a gigantic loss. I mean, gigantic. Oh. I mean, um, and so that's one idea. Again, you know, again, the little was, and then I met a financial advisor. This is like really interesting because, you know, we all get all of these LinkedIn emails and calls and about, from CF certified financial planners and advisors. And so I met a financial advisor and she was very nice. We were sitting next to each other at a luncheon. And just because I liked her, you know, and I wanted to be nice, I let her manage my portfolio for a year. It was a bad idea, bad idea. Cause I mean, again, that was a lot of loss. And, and you know, had I been more methodical and more, um, I, I guess, um, intentional, um, I would not have made that mistake. But again, it was the whole point of, well, sure, opportunity presented itself. Let's say yes, let's see what happens. Now, in hindsight, was that a mistake that was not recoverable? No, you know, I, I recovered from it, but, but, but it was avoidable. Um, and in that case, the learnings that came from it, I could have gotten it without the cost that I had to endure. So like everything else, it's a balance. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. And it's kind of interesting, you know, you have, you seem like a risk taker, you're willing to say yes. And yet you have two ideas, two uh, examples of when those weren't maybe the right thing. And so I, my guess is that you have a whole lot more that it makes, a, it was a good decision to, to say yes to the opportunity. I um, you just referenced, you know, um, your LinkedIn. And I just thought it was funny when I was looking at, uh, looking on your doing some background on you and, and on your LinkedIn, you say like, Hey, before you message me, let me just make sure you know what I'm looking for. And I thought it was so cool. It's like, don't message me for just to sell me, get to know a little bit more about what I'm looking for. Here's some of the things and just setting those expectations from the very get go is, is really uh, powerful. I mean, I was like, this is one way to do this. I mean, way to, way to set the expectation early on when people are looking for you. I hope, you know, it's working though, because right now we're, I'm sitting on about a hundred email messages from LinkedIn, a hundred invitations and um, that I, I have, I'm yet to go through them, but majority of them are again, hey, oh, we can, did it. I got a message from someone a while back ago saying, you know, I can help you with your electrician business. And I'm like, where, where is he say, seeing that I have an electrician business? Like there's nowhere, nowhere in my LinkedIn that there's a reference to an electrician business. I, I don't have an electrician business. And so, um, you know, it's talking about relationship, bringing to it, this to focus is, you know, I really, any relationship that I have, I am happy to say that I have invested in that relationship and they have invested back and it's not a casual you know one and done move on I'm not interested in the one and done move on um, there are so many people that are, that are I hope it works out for them it's never worked out for me um, and so with LinkedIn you know when I get those kinds of attempts I'm like delete 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 
Yeah, I understand. Well, I am. I did ask to connect with you on LinkedIn, so you might. I now have added to your hundred and one, so uh, okay, cool. you might see that on there. But I am. Um, yeah, it is. It's such an interesting thing. And when you talk about the value of relationships and that really that investing in the long term, I think that's one of the biggest things about building social capital is really realizing that this is a long term play. This is not a an ABC sales method where we're always be closing, you know, and always transactional. But it's really that that depth of the relationship that creates the opportunity to build social capital. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, and you have to build the relationship not with an intention of getting something out of it. You build the relationship to share commonality and add value. It's, it's for me, I build the relationship not because I want something out of it. I build the relationship because I want to give and, and giving feels good. Um, and, and, but, but what happens is I, and this has always happened is that what I get from that relationship is multiples of what I have given. And so, and, and then I give back and so it's compounding. Um, yeah. It's, it's true. It's so amazing. You know, it's, when you talk about social capital, it's funny the things that come up and it's so many of the same themes, you know, it's that idea of adding value, building trust and creating this, you know, mutually beneficial experience for both sides. And when you look at mm -hmm. social capital and when you hear the term social capital, or you look at how social capital has impacted your life, what does that look like to you? Yeah, in, in, um, in many ways, you know, and again, this is another thing that, you know, some big, you know, lessons that I have learned. You know, when I was younger, you know, at Hewlett Packard and then, you know, later on in corporate life, you know, social capital didn't mean all that much to me, right? For me, it was about get the job done, who cares about social capital, use what you need and move on. And that was mainly in my like 20s and 30s. And I could get away with it. And I did get away with it. Um, later on, as I, as I, you know, became a little wiser, especially, you know, having a child had a lot to do with it. Everything okay? Yeah, sorry. I don't, something just okay. started talking over here, but then it went away, so... I apologize. Okay. No, that's okay. So when I um, became a mom and also, you know, a, a little older, a little wiser, I realized that some of those relationships that I had taken for granted, um, first of all, how wrong I was uh, for having taken those for granted. And um, secondly, you know, how much happier I could have been if I had actually invested not in the job, but invested in the, in the relationships more. And so that really turned my uh, perspective around, you know, and, you know, that, that's to me, I'm not, I mean, right now I have a very healthy network. Um, it wasn't always the case. Um, I was, I always have been a very resourceful person. And for that reason, I've had a lot of connections but not necessarily the connections that would say, oh, you know, Arazu is a valuable connection. 
Um, but about 2014, things changed. And like I said, you know, I became a little wiser. Being a mom had a lot to do with it. And I realized that, you know, in 2014, I realized that where I had gotten to up until then, yes, a lot of it was grit and intellect and hard work. A lot of it was social capital that I was lucky enough without realizing I was lucky enough to benefit from. And I became a lot more intentional in 2014. And what has meant for me is a lot of doors have opened up for me. So, you know, one interesting example. Um, I will, can I name names? Is that okay? Okay, because yeah. uh, he's a great guy. Um, so in 2014, I was on the board of Elevate. Elevate is actually the organization that Julie is now the president. It's a women okay. organization. And I was a founding member of, of uh, Elevate in, in Colorado, in Denver, actually, you know, Colorado. But anyways, I was on board on it. And um, there was someone else that was on the board of it. And uh, she connected me with her brother-in-law who was uh, an executive at Comcast at a time. And so I went and met him for the first time in his office. We had a cordial conversation, all good. But the conversation, you know, we, I kept the connection going. And every so often we would go to lunch and we would go to, um, yeah, yeah, lunch and talk and that's it. This is 2014 all the way to 2020. His name is Matt McConnell. He's a CEO of an ad tech company right now, and he's an amazing, amazing human being. Well, through Matt, I got connected to Deloitte uh, Board Readiness Program, which is a by invitation only program for executive women to get invited and get trained to be on boards. And that's a gigantic opportunity that you know, that, that would not have come to me had it not been for that, for investing in the relationship with Matt McConnell. And so that's just one example. Um, I have so many other examples and, and you know, relationships that have turned into, into friendships. You know, um, Heidi Ganahl, um, she is the founder of Camp Bow Wow, uh, the doggy daycare company. She's now moved on and she has another company called She Factor. Um, that is just on fire. And I helped Heidi launch She Factor. So she was my client first. Um, we've both moved on, uh, but now she's a friend. And yeah. I know about what's happening in her life. And I know she would do anything, you know, that if, she, if I needed her help and connections, etc. So it, it's wonderful, both from an opportunity perspective as well as from a personal satisfaction perspective, when you actually invest in your network and really build that social capital. Absolutely. And, you know, thank you for sharing because it's funny, um, Deloitte comes up, Ashley Styles is in that. She's a guest on the podcast as well. And she was talking about uh, the opportunity to sit on the, that board readiness and be a part of that board readiness program. That mm -hmm. So when those opportunities, like you said, you know, when those opportunities present themselves, that you feel in a, that you feel ready to say yes. And, yes, um, exactly. and so it's, yeah, it's fun to see how much, how, you know, kind of interconnected so many of us are, even beyond our, our actual understanding of how we're inter interconnected. Exactly, exactly. 
And so, you know, I think that um, before I used to think of any connection and any interaction as a transaction, right? And, and being completely like super efficient and a control freak, a transaction has a start and a stop and we really want to minimize the, the duration of the transaction and get on with life. And now it's, I go into it with an open mind. I go into it with um, really the, the wanting to learn and see where this goes. Um, and it's great. I mean, there's a lot of satisfaction that I get from that. Yeah, it's an amazing piece of sort of the serendipitousness of what happens when we don't have an expectation, but we expect something good to happen. We know that in the end, there's always this, this reposite, rep, rep, whatever. Um, there's always this, this back and forth that seems to happen and, and it brings about goodness for both that person and ourselves when we can go into situations like that. You know, you mentioned something um, a little bit ago just about launching these, these companies and that really like you're passionate about taking ideas to execution. Um, you know, how have you always sort of been passionate about being a part of that and had a lot of ideas and all of that? Or where, where do you think some of that came from? Yeah, you know, I'm actually not an idea person. I'm not one to say, oh, this is a good, I'm not a vision. I mean, I am, I don't want to minimize myself. I, I, I get very clear visions, but I'm not one that is an idea person. I am a get it done person, have always been. And um, I don't know, it's this, this uh, intensity, this, this, um, thirst for action that has always propelled me forward is stop talking, get it done. You'll learn from it. And maybe that's a part of the whole, you know, being open to possibilities and saying yes to the opportunity, because I'm not one to just sit and hypothesize about what this could be. Um, and so a lot of times, many times I see the founder, first of all, one thing that really gets me irked is when the founder wants validation that this is a good idea before they act on it. And what I say to them is, I can't give that to you. If you don't believe in your idea enough to want to move forward, don't ask me to give you that validation. Don't ask anybody to give that. You need to be so married to your idea that you live and die by it. But once you're so married to that idea, get it done. Stop hypothesizing, stop strategizing, stop thinking about why this is a bad idea. Get it done. Now, I would be the last to say, get it done haphazardly. Get it done with a strategy. Um, on uh, Monday of this upcoming week, I have a talk with my friend Liz Ortol. She's the founder of Nano, is a babysitting, uh, on-demand babysitting platform. And it's funny because our, uh, the topic of our talk is execution. And uh, we have 227 people signed up right now. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah, that's just amazing. Um, and, and her and I, both of us are very passionate about execution and getting things done. I am more of saying, you know, get it done based on a plan and adjust the plan. Learn, adjust the plan. Liz is, you know, get it done um, your, your plan will come later and, and <laughs> right or wrong. Right. I mean, that has yeah. worked out for her. This is, this has worked out for me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very, very impatient about, um, just sitting on ideas. Ideas have a shelf life. 
you can't sit on an idea. The, the idea of Dispatch Mom, which is my technology company, on-demand uh, help for busy moms, um, that actually, Kate, I, th there's a story to this. Um, I was a mentor at a startup event. And so I got paired, I, I didn't get, it was actually very serendipitous. I got connected with this group of women um, that were talking about a company called It Takes a Village. And they were talking about, you know, again, help for the busy moms. And it just so happens that that weekend that I was mentoring the startup event, I was so frazzled as a mom and I was just feeling like I need help, I need help. I need help with my child. I need help with dinner. I need help with laundry, with my dog. I need help. And I still had this thing to go to. And so when they, when they were talking about this, it takes village. I mean, it was like, you know, music to my ears. And um, I, um, you know, we, we talked through the weekend at the time, you know, they, I guided them to call it wing mom, but they couldn't figure out the business model. They couldn't figure out how to make it work. They did not, um, they did not win the pitch either. Uh, but I was, at the time I was heavily investing and I was ready to invest in them. And I kept saying, keep going, keep going, make something out of it. Um, they didn't, they wanted to sit on it, but this, this was in my head and I couldn't stop thinking about it. So finally in no, uh, August of last year, I uh, figured out the business model. I figured out how to make it profitable. I figured out you know, that it can't be a web application. It needs to be a mobile application and it needs to have these kinds of services. So all, all of the questions that weren't answered, I figured those things out on my own and boom, I'm launching it. And so it's called Dispatch Mom. And so uh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so what does it do exactly? Like what is the well, so all the busy moms, um, there are several things that uh, we're all, you know, we all need help in an on-demand way. Number one, um, childcare. Number two, cleaning. Number three um, is um, meal prep and meal cooking. Number four, um, child transportation, number five, errands. So those are the five services that you can get on our platform on demand. Uh, we are going live with three of the five right now. Next year, we'll turn on the other two, but say you need a babysitter because you have a client call in one hour that you didn't anticipate, you can, you can get a babys babysitter on demand coming to your doorstep, vetted, completely you know, background checked, safe, uh, COVID safe, all that stuff. You need an on-demand uh, cleaner, you can get an on-demand cleaner. Um, meal prep. Uh, so I'm a mom. I, I, I know, you know, every night, my husband and I, what are you thinking for dinner? Oh, you know, da, da, da. Well, let's order, order in. We order in. Who knows what's in that food, right? I mean, calorie rich, expensive. And so we will have, we work with a local company that uh, prepares uh, meals on a weekly basis, oven-ready meals. They're gluten-free, all organic, uh, organic components, um, woman-owned, delicious. I've tried them several times. Um, and so we're going to uh, send that to your doorstep so you don't have to think about, you know, cooking dinner. Um, 
that's this fashion. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm not a mom. I mean, I'm a bulldog mom. I have three bulldogs, but we'll have I don't pets have... care next year. We'll have pets. Okay, care. awesome. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, still, I might still need that uh, cleaning and, and cooking thing might still be helpful. Uh, yeah. yeah, that that's so cool. And just to see the idea come to fruition, come from a concept and a need all the way to the execution. And I'm not surprised at all that you have so many people signed up for execution because I think so many of us can sit around and have these ideas, but then how to actually put those things into actionable steps that create that that end result that we're going for is really where I think so many of us can get lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where I come in as a coach, right? And I help people put their idea into an actionable plan that can actually work. Um, and it's so satisfying to do that. I love doing that. Oh my gosh. Well, that is awesome. And thank you for sharing that with us. Cause I think, um, you know, it's fun to always hear the stories, the things that motivate people to make the change or to have the impact that they have when you, um, you know, when you look at kind of how social capital or how relationships really have, um, you know, kind of formed your journey or, or taking you where you are today, do you see that there are kind of the key components of those relationships that seem to happen over and over? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, this is the relationships that have been most mutually beneficial to uh, me and them as human beings and to my life, and I'd like to say to their lives are those that we've actually invested in getting to know each other as a person and not, again, not as someone on the other side of a transaction. Yeah. Um, and, and so that is the main theme. I mean, I have um, people that, you know, I have known for 20, 25 years and they were bosses and they were coworkers. And so when you look at it on the surface, you would think that, yeah, they, they wouldn't, why would you, you know, why would you know their life? But, but again, I invested in that relationship. They invested in, the, in this relationship. And 20, 25 years later, um, they're still there. They're still cheering me on. I'm cheering them on. Um, I'm connecting them to prospects. They're connecting me to prospects. And so those are the ones that we have actually gotten to know each other as a human being, not as Arzu, the VP of whatever, or Paul, the general manager of whatever, but Arzu and Paul and Sarah and Julie, those are the most satisfying and the most useful. I mean, useful is, is a bad word, the most rich, I should say. Yeah. Um, that, and I love doing that. It's that you know, human connection piece. It's that the really human like... connection piece, you know, and, and it's, you know, I mean, I, when you look at it, you look at my LinkedIn, you see I'm connected to a lot of very, very impressive people. And I'm happy about that. And I know them above and beyond, and I respect them above and beyond their title, right? Julie, we were talking about Julie Holenga, by the way, she's amazing. If you all don't know her, you should know her. She's and she's a, on the show as well. So there's an episode yeah. here for, with Julie. She is amazing. She is amazing. Um, you know, I met Julie last year and um, I immediately liked her. 
And she was uh, one of the people that helped me. She was, she was in my focus groups when I was trying to research the moms and, you know, the life of the moms. She's been one of those for me. We, we connect on a human level. Um, you know, I connected her with some prospects. Um, she, I like her. She's a good human being. She's smart. She's talented. She is a change maker. Um, she's a badass and, um, she's a good human being. And I, and the people that I have relationships with, this is the level we get to know each other. Um, not, oh, Julie is an executive coach and she knows so many executives. And so I should connect with her because I can get connected to executives. Those aren't the type of relationships that I invest in. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think that's how that, that social capital goes so deep. It like, it grows and expands once we can create that, that depth to it where it's, it isn't transactional, but it truly is um, a long-term, like we were saying earlier, it's a long-term play. You know, you, um, at one point you mentioned um, being just, uh, what was it? I wrote it down. Um, oh, being just very intentional about what you're doing and really not being, not just letting it just happen, but really being intentional about the people you're connecting to and why you're connecting and how you're adding value to those people. Um, if you were, you know, talking to people who are still maybe in the beginning of their career or maybe they're right in the middle of it, but how do you um, advise people to be intentional about how they are building their network? Yeah, you know, um, it takes time. It takes time. I think that the first um, piece of advice, nugget, whatever you call it, I would give is um, go in it with an open mind. When you meet people in a networking event, uh, ask them questions instead of telling them about you. Ask them who are they, what they're about, you know, where do they come from, what do they do, learn about them. And, and through that process of learning, you will realize, you know, who you want your tribe to be. And then continue building that relationship and um, investing in it. Whether, you know, sometimes, you know, with a tribe, just send a note and say hi you know, thinking about it, Matt McConnell that I was talking about, you know, yeah. um, he w uh, got this new role, the CEO of an ad tech company four or five months ago. Um, I sent him a note first saying, congratulations, I didn't hear back. That's okay. Um, I sent him another note saying, hey, Matt, you know, just want you to know I'm thinking about you, hope all is well, da, 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 da. And I really mean it, right? I, yeah. I am thinking about him and I, 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 know that he's going to crush it and he's going to do an amazing job. And so go into adding value to your tribe by giving rather than wanting to receive. The gifts will come. Yeah. But go into it learning about who you, you know, who you're interacting with and then those that you feel like you have an affinity with that they resonate with you um just just give and it'll give back and and yeah. then one other thing that i do want to say is surround yourself with people that are better than you in every way 
um, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, that are more successful than you, that are more giving than you, that are better that you look up to and you respect because that will help you get better. That's huge. I mean, they, they say that we're the sum of our, you know, the people that Five we're people. around. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Stacey says that, yeah. She said that, I think, even on this show. And it is, it's, it's so true that we just have to put ourselves intentionally around people that are going or doing or being what we want to and aspire to be. And that's one of the things I enjoy so much about this show is I get to connect with people that are exactly that, that are just so dynamic. And, um, and it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Oh, I'm curious. I, I love to um, hear just, you know, what it is that you are reading or listening to, or if there's something, a book or a podcast or a mantra oh, that has really changed yeah. your life. Do you have any, any of that or anything that you recommend for people to check out? Um, yeah. So right now I am reading two books simultaneously. One of them I can't find actually. Um, so one is this mindset. Okay. And, um, the new cycle, how we can learn to fulfill our potential um, just by training our minds to, you know, think a certain way. Um, and then the other one that I have been reading, and it's an easy read, but um, because I'm so busy, I, I haven't had time to finish it. It's called It's About Damn Time. And it's written by, totally, totally recommend it. It's written by a woman uh, by the name of Arlen Hamilton. Arlen is a black queer venture capitalist in Silicon Valley. And what I just said to you is analogous to an alien from planet Mars. It's that rare. A black queer venture capital, a woman venture capitalist. And she was homeless five years ago. And she is one of the most well-known venture capitalists right now in the world, in the U.S. for sure, but in the world. Um, she actually is keynoting Denver Startup Week next week. Um, and this is about her journey. And it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, love, love, love that book. I mean, that's more like a self-help book, really. Even though it's about Arlen, it's more of a self-help book. One of the things that she says that I totally resonate with, um, and I'm paraphrasing, Arlen, if you're listening, sorry, I hope I'm not butchering your, your thing. But the advice that she says is be yourself so that those who are looking for you can find you. Or oh, stay true to yourself because, so that those that are looking for you can find you. And it's just so true. This is so true. Um, I love it. She, um, she has a podcast called Your First Million, but that podcast is more about fundraising, so I don't necessarily listen to it. Um, yeah, reserve my, right now, this is what I'm busy with. Oh my gosh, it's awesome. I can't wait to go get that book by Arlen. Um, I'll have to see. I'm hoping it's on Audible because I find myself listening to a lot of stuff. It is on Audible. It is on Audible. And, okay, and the power is. of the mind, you know, she tells a story where you know she was checking into a one night hotel because she didn't have enough money to i mean she slept in airports because she didn't have money to stay anywhere and she was checking into a hotel and going up the stairs of this motel more like it you know for one night 
and she's telling herself, you are a venture capitalist, you are a venture capitalist, when she barely has money. And, um, and she is now, five years later, she's invested in a hundred, com- over a hundred companies of underrepresented founders. Uh, she's made millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, she just bought her mom a brand new Mercedes. Her mom is her, her, you know, her champion, her hero. So amazing book, amazing wow. book. Yeah. And again, it just points to that saying yes to opportunity. It's just believing that it's possible and then going after it is so huge. Yeah. Yeah. Hustling, going after it. I mean, she is the queen of hustle. You should just see all that, read all the things that she's done, but she's done it with a method and strategy. And I love that. She doesn't, she has done stuff just to see, uh, but even those stuff that she's done, she has done it with a method and a strategy. Um, amazing woman. Wow. Well, it's I'm about damn time. To, it's about damn time. I am so excited to go check that book out and, and I'm excited that she's coming to Denver startup week. So that's kind yeah. of a cool opportunity to, to see her there as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and as, as we start to wrap up, you've just been such a, a pleasure to have on the show and we will have all of your contact information in the show notes so that people can reach out and connect with you. Um, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would just like to, to get out or any final thoughts that you'd like to share? I mean, um, my, final, my final thought is just get, get the damn thing done. Get it done. <laughs> get it done. Do it. Get it done. Just do it. Okay. And do you... Do you believe, you know, I've had some friends tell me like, Sarah, good is good enough. Just get going. Like, don't wait for it to be perfect. Don't try to fix everything. Just good is good enough. Do you believe that as well? Just get Absolutely. it done. Absolutely. Go with what you got, but know what you're going to measure so that you can adjust, right? Don't, don't do perfect. Perfect is not perfect. I will tell you, perfect will never be perfect. So, 80% is good enough. Time is the only thing that is irreplaceable in this world. You cannot replace a minute that is lost. And so for all the time that you're wasting to make this thing perfect, you can spend it learning. You can spend it figure out, figuring out how you can adjust it so that it is the right solution. Don't, don't waste time. Get it done. <laughs> and do you have any thoughts for those that are listening that have an idea that's just been sort of percolating um, and, and want to go and do something with it, but maybe have been afraid to take the risk? I mean, what do you say to those people? I'd say call me. Uh-huh. I'd say call me for one. Um, but I, you know, I would, um, there, there's a method to that madness, right? Number one is you have this idea, you're, you're dying to get it out. Well, have you tested it with a market? Who are, what problem are you trying to solve? You know, it's interesting. I was talking to a founder the other day and um, she, um, she makes a commoditized product. I'm not going to name it. She makes a product that has been a commodity for a very long time, but she's selling it. She's pricing it at the premium. And so, you know, unsurprisingly, it's not moving. So she wants to know what to do. Um, it turns out that the problem that she's trying to sell, uh, solve is not at all the problem that she, the, the, the product that she is selling. 
she is making that product with recycled tires. And so the problem she's trying to solve is sustainability and environmental responsibility, not, okay, people can use this product because they can make their life better. You are not, when you go to her website and her material, you do not see any reference to, or very little, I shouldn't say any, very little reference to that environmental sustainability. So here's a founder that has this idea, gets it out in the way she thinks works, but the market isn't seeing it as that. And so what is the problem you're trying to solve? And does the market want that problem solved? Be very, very honest with yourself. And the only way to get the answer to that is by asking questions from your customers. Just get 10 people that you think would want your idea, would listen to your idea and ask their, ask their what they think. And if your idea is validated, then it's about making a prototype, getting it out into the market, getting in the hands of your prospect customers, pricing it the right way. Um, and then, and then the, the path will reveal itself. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. That just makes me excited just for any, I mean, for some of the ideas I have. I'm like, okay, well, when this show's off, I got to ask you some things and set up some time to talk to you about some ideas that I have. Because sometimes Absolutely. that is, it's, it's just knowing how to connect with the people around us who can help us bring these things into, into fruition and create that plan for execution. And so even here, just listening to you and getting to know you a little bit more, it's been really exciting for me because Aww. I think this is a piece of the network that I look forward to continuing to develop and I hope that you and I can continue to have additional conversations outside of this and Absolutely. Uh, I've got some people in mind that I think need to talk to you as well because it is it's such a, a piece to just take it from idea to, to actual reality and execution mm -hmm. absolutely I mean I love I mean that working with founders really is my calling I mean oh, that is awesome what I'm I'm brought in this to this planet to do is to help founders get their ideas out. And there's something about just finding that place, like knowing what it is that you're here to do and then finding the, you know, being able to actually execute in that regard is such a, a it's kind of like the whole purpose of life, really. It's like to figure out what it is we're here to do and then to go do it is so fulfilling. Exactly. It's so fulfilling. It's so fulfilling. I mean, the joy, the joy that I feel when one of my clients um, is able to make progress in, in their, in their endeavor. It's, it's just awesome. Nothing comes oh close to it. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I, um, I just so have appreciated getting to know you and I hope that we can do this again. I would love to stay in touch with you and, um, watch how your dispatch mom launch goes. Please keep us posted on that. Um, of course. and have, you know, we will have that um, website and that or that app um, op opportunity in the show notes as well. And so please, if you're listening, go and check that out. Um, and I just can't thank you enough for the time that you've spent with us. It's been it's been a true pleasure. This was so fun, Sarah. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it as well. Uh, me as well. And uh, thank you for being on the show. All right. We'll see you later. See you soon. Bye bye. Okay, bye. That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. 
These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.